This is Andy from Sliding Lodge Performance Horses, and welcome to the All-Stars Journey. That's not how you introduce <laughs> me. Come on, I do a better job than that. I don't think you do. Oh. Alright, so is that going to be the well, Okay, you do it then. No, no, well, this was your idea, the podcast, so I guess we're going to go with that intro. Perfect, okay, good. Um, well, do you want to introduce me to the people? This is Andrea O'Connor. She's my fiance. I hope that clears a few things up. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So a few um, side notes for anybody listening. If you hear jingling, it's just my wine glass. And if you hear chewing, it's just Matthew. <laughs> just having dinner. Sitting at our window. Looking over the, the kingdom. All right, should we get into this, Matthew? Yes, let's get into it. No one calls me Matthew except my mother. So why are you calling me Matthew? You're I call mother. you Matthew when you're in trouble. But how can I be in trouble on the podcast? We've just started. Doesn't take much. <laughs> okay, anyway, so um, I've written down a few points because I've become I've come prepared. Um, so I thought... We could just, you know, go back and forth. Yep. I like going back and forth. It's good. It's good fun. Good times. <laughs> um, so you ask a lot of people questions, um, but I feel like maybe people don't know much about you. Yeah, true, true. So let's start with the basics. Where did you sort of... I'm not basic, by the way. You are very basic. I'm very... You are a basic bitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do you interrupt your guests normally like this? No, my guests actually behave. <laughs> so, um, I guess, where were you at, you know, in your life when horses became involved? How did that all start for you? Because, I mean, I know the story that you didn't grow up riding horses, so... How did it all start? That is the million dollar question. <laughs> is it? Well, not actually a million dollar question, but... <laughs> so, I finished up school, then... I wanted to get involved with horses, but didn't really know where to start. Then I ended up finding a job up in Queensland, Mount Isa in a place called Buckingham Downs and they were on a property just under a million acres and I kind of learnt to ride up there while we were checking fences and looking after cattle and all that type of stuff um, I went through a phase where I didn't like horses and I preferred to ride motorbikes then I had a bit of an accident on a motorbike and then I liked riding horses again because they seem to look where they're going <laughs> <laughs> Whereas a motorbike doesn't look where it's going. <laughs> or you don't look where you're going. No, I was looking where I was going. I was just holding on to the throttle. Then I thought, these bikes are stupid. I'm going to ride a horse again. <laughs> when really, the stupid one was... Not on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got into horses. and I wasn't... So you'd never ridden before that? <laughs> I had ridden before. 
but my parents had organised a horse to come around for me. Her name was Honey. Yeah. It was Little Pony. <laughs> yep. And I got to ride her around the clothesline. Oh, okay. So real cowboy Hills. shit. Yeah, real cowboy <laughs> shit around the clothesline. That might have been where the journey actually oh, started. Oh, that's where the love and the passion really sort of came from. Yeah. I remember someone pulled up the front of our close, and then a little miniature pony came out, and I got to ride around the clothesline and wasn't really interested in horses until I left school, and then... Yeah, but I think that's where it all started. So you started riding horses for work up there? Yeah, yeah, as a job. And I had to shoe, I had three horses I had to look after. I had to shoe them and do everything with them. And you learnt all that while you are up there, I yeah. assume? Yeah. I didn't really even know how to saddle a horse until I got up there. Wow. Look at me now. Look at you now. And I still don't know how to saddle a horse properly. <laughs> No, he doesn't. That's why I do it for him. <laughs> What's your next question? Actually, let me have a look here. I can see where the questions are. Where did horses take you from there? Well, <laughs> looks like I don't need Andrew on my own podcast. <laughs> so, are we just talking about you this whole time? Oh, right. Because right. in case people didn't realise, I actually have a background in horses too. Okay, so let me ask you the same question. <laughs> How did you... Well, let, actually, let me welcome you onto this podcast. Oh, thank you. It's about time. Hi, Andrea O'Connor. Hi, Matthew Charles. Welcome to the All-Stars journey. I think my intro was better, but anyway. 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 So how did you get into horses? And what was your first experience with horses? Um, so I actually got into horses really young. I was terrified of all animals, dogs, cats, birds, horses, anything animal related. I didn't want a bar of it. And we had some good family friends that lived in the Southern Highlands and they bred miniature ponies and we called them Nan and Pop actually and we used to go to their farm all the time and I hated it. What, the ponies or the people? The people. Okay, just checking. And I hated it. I refused to get out of the car when we got there because they had little dogs and I refused to go in the paddock because they had horses and so I avoided it for a very long time and then when I was five... All of our family were going away to the snowy mountains and everyone was going on a trail ride and I didn't want to go and my mum said that I would be upset if I didn't, that I'd miss out on all the fun. So I cowboyed up and I went. Cowgirled up. <laughs> and I was led off another girl's horse and her horse kept spooking and everything and I was riding a big 15-hand horse. He was a big bugger. And he got a bit spooked and he sort of trotted off about, I reckon, 10 metres, if that, into the bush. And I thought he galloped off into the sunset with me. And I got off him and I told the girl that I wasn't going to ride back. And she said, yes, you are. And I said, no, I'm not. And she said, yes, you are. And anyway, mum reckons that she scared the fear out of me because I got back on the horse and I rode for two hours back. And How old were you? Five. And, and you argued with someone. Yeah, I did. I did. 
That doesn't change much. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wrote back and, yeah, all the fear was gone. I stopped being scared of everything. And then I just sort of kept kept writing through school and then similarly to you and freakishly close to your story I left school and I went up north and we actually worked for the same family but many years apart didn't we yep and I jillarooed for a bit and then yeah sort of went on from there what was the family that we worked for again uh the Haken family up in Cloncurry in Queensland. Yeah, and I think they owned... They owned a couple of places. I think you worked three. on a different property to mine. Yeah. Um, I didn't work for them for long because I ended up injured, but... You ended up... What did you do to yourself? So, I hurt my back pretty bad. Um, riding a horse up there who I actually... I did not like the horse at all, and I don't think the horse liked me even a little bit. And... She sort of twisted hard one day and I slipped the disc in my back and I dislocated the nerve joints off my spine. What do you mean she twisted hard? She twisted hard or you twisted hard? Both of us twisted hard. What were you trying to do? Um, well, we were sort of running after a couple of cattle, couple, couple of cows that had broken from the herd, but the chopper that was mustering with us also saw them. I think it's called them. the mob. The mob, sorry. <laughs> and... The chopper ducked down in front of us and she got a big fright. And when she turned around, I didn't quite turn as fast. Right. Um, so, yep. Got a little bruised and battered. <clears throat> so how long were you up there for? Uh, I don't actually know. Four, six months? <clears throat> oh, not, is that all? Yeah, not long. Not as long as you. You were a cowboy for, what, nine? I was up there for nine months. Yeah. Were you there on a traineeship or anything? No, I'd already gone to Ag College before I went up there. I lived in Dubbo for a, a while and did that. You're right. Which was cool. Did so, you get to go to any of the rodeos there? In Dubbo. When you're up at Mount Isa? No, I did not. We worked seven days a week. Really? Yep. We worked five, maybe six. We always got at least one day off. Oh, you were living the life. I was. Okay, so you started up there, and then where did horses take you from there? <clears throat> so from there, I ended up, I came back to Sydney, New South Wales. <clears throat> I think most people know Sydney's in New South Wales. Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> Look, if you're going to be smart on this podcast, <laughs> you can just leave. I'm already okay? here, okay? Just... <clears throat> Oh, excuse me. That's, that's rough. Can we edit that? <laughs> no. I want everyone to know who you really are. <laughs> I'm a sweet little boy. <laughs> You're a pig. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Anyway. Language, please. So, I came back to Sydney, went to Richmond TAFE to try and, well, I was interested in continuing with horses, but didn't really know where to go. Because I wanted to get into raining, but didn't really know anything about it. Didn't know what clubs were around. Didn't know anyone involved. Went to Richmond TAFE, did a diploma in horse industry management. Well, when I say did, I completed one year. The next year was just socialising and drinking, so... So did you ever actually finish it? No, I never did. 
I actually tried to go back to it three years ago, but it's called something. It's called something else now, so they wouldn't acknowledge my my points. <laughs> it was back in the dark ages. <laughs> yeah, well and truly, I think. <laughs> so I went there, then I got to meet some people that ran the Gisman property, and they knew a fellow by the name of Nils Uren. You ran who he pretty much had started my reigning career. So he let me ride a couple of nice horses. One was by the name of Tyson, and he was an old retired reiner, but he'd been trained by Rob Lawson and been shown a fair bit. So he was really cool, so I could get a feel of, you know, what a reigning horse should feel like. And I remember the first couple of times I got to ride him in the round yard, Neil said to me, he does buck, he does buck. <laughs> So I saddled this horse up, saddled this horse up, and I was kind of half panicking, going, okay, he's putting me on a horse and he does buck. But he did a little couple of crow hops and that was it. And then we rode in the round pen for a while and yeah, that's kind of where it started. And then I got to go to, I think it was Blacktown Show. My first ever horse show. And walked away with Reserve Supreme Champion. Did you? Was there only one person in it? Three. <laughs> <laughs> there was probably there was two people in the quarter horse classes and three people in the paint classes and one person in the Appaloosa class mm, that sounds like how I show yep and all we had to do was walk drop and load hmm. I was quite impressed with myself <laughs> I bet you were yeah so that's where that took me then I ended up getting to meet through some friends they sent me down to Rob Lawson's place for a week as a Christmas present, so... Poor Rob. Yeah, poor Rob. Poor Rob. Now, now he's my neighbour. <laughs> he doesn't talk to me much these days. <laughs> he's thinking, I just can't get away from this guy. <laughs> so you went to Rob's? So I went down to Rob's for a week and got to ride, took my part-bred Arab down there with me. Who... Um, and we did got got him ready for an Arab show, which I was quite successful on. I think it was the Arab Nationals that I got. I actually got champion in the Western Pleasure section. It was Arab Nationals, or it was the East Coast. I'm not exactly sure what what it actually was, but it was one of the three big Arab shows that they have. Then after that, I ended up going to, down to ride with Richard Webb, probably for about a year. I was starting horses and riding young horses and helping him out a little bit. Um, I did get to ride. There was a turnback horse that he had that I really enjoyed riding. It was a grey, I think it was a grey smart little Scotty horse. And I wish I kind of had the knowledge that I know that I have now because I think he'd be a pretty cool little dude because I really liked him back then, but I really didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Whereas now I've got a bit more of an idea, so it'd be good to have that, that horse back. Yeah, all right. Yeah. And then from there, ended up working, starting my own business, well, sliding lots of performance horses out at Rob's place, and then everything just kind of snowballed from there. And look at you now. <clears throat> yep. Look at me now, living in a 40-foot container <laughs> with my fiancé. Life has got me far. Yes, for anyone who didn't know, we do live in a shipping container. It is actually a house inside it. Um... 
But yeah, you can imagine two grown adults living living in forty foot of space. It's mm. actually really good. It's pretty I really great. It. It's pretty great. We're pretty lucky here where we are. We are. We don't really do anything but sleep in here, do we? No. No. So, the amazing property of Ravenswood Drainers. Yes. Thank you, Tony Mitchell. So once I left, oh well, I didn't really leave Rob's place, but Rob had actually set me up to go and ride with Martin Larkham for a little bit when I went overseas. That was really, really cool. Then through that I got to ride with Joe Schmidt. Um, I probably spent, I think, about a month over there with Joe. And then I got to spend three months over with Sean Florida, which was really, really cool. So you've gotten around a bit? You could say that, yes. I have gotten around a little bit. They're all... How would you describe them? They kept everything very simple. There wasn't anything that you really had to overthink. Do you think they kept things simple because you're a simpleton? Hey, hey, hey. That's a bit aggressive. <laughs> Why? Why would you bring that up on the podcast for? I'm just a horse trainer, but, you know. Try not to embarrass me. I'll try. In front of thousands of people. Thousands? Thousands of people are going to be listening to this. Okay. They still won't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> They're only on here to listen to me. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> So after you went to Mount Isa, what happened, yep. to, what happened to your horse career? So I came home because I'd hurt myself and I couldn't ride and I was pretty well useless up there. So I came home and I got a normal job and then I sort of got the all clear to ride again and was sort of in Sydney. So I had to find somewhere and a trail riding centre had just opened up at um, Campbelltown. Were you still touching me? I'm trying to tell a story. So, um, Renee and Graham Ware had opened a riding school up there at Campbelltown and um, I started riding up there. And then... What was the riding school called? Um, it was Sydney Trail Riding Centre back then. Um, and, yeah, so I started riding up there and then, you know, after I think it was about two weeks... Renee was like, oh, do you want to work for us? And so I was still working full-time um, in childcare back then. I was doing a traineeship. Um, and so the other three, I worked a four, ten-hour days in childcare. And then the other three days I worked in the riding school. And then they were going away on a holiday. And they asked me to look after the horses because the trail riding centre was closed down. Um, it was sort of over Christmas and I did that and then... How many horses did you have? Um, we had a lot of horses. We had probably back then maybe 60 um, <laughs> in, in the peak of the trail riding centre, close to 80. Um, and yeah, then they sort of came back from overseas and then straight away they just signed a contract to go and work on a film. So Graham actually, he's fourth generation training horses for film. Um, what was the film you got to go and work on? So I didn't go with them. Um, they were going to South Australia to work on the Water Diviner with Russell Crowe. Um, I got to teach some of the actors to ride, which was pretty cool. 
Um, we did a fair bit of stuff in Centennial Park there and sort of went back and forth. Then Renee and Graham went to South Australia. Then they went to Turkey with Russell. Um, and by the time they got home, I'd been running the riding school for a few months. And I was only 19 back then, which was a bit crazy. And Renee said to me, oh, well, you're sort of doing it now. So do you want to just keep doing it? And <laughs> that sounds, sounds like Renee. Yeah. And <laughs> it sort of went on from there. They went back and forth interstate over the years with films and I worked for them for seven and a half years. <clears throat> that long? Yeah. Wow. Two kids later, I think we moved houses a few times. How, you had two kids? No, no, no. Renee and Graham had two kids. Oh, okay, good. Two beautiful little girls. And yeah, we moved houses a few times. We moved properties a few times. We closed a trial writing centre. We opened a riding school, which is now still up there at Yarramundi, Hawkesbury Valley Equestrian Centre. Um, and all while doing a number of international films. Um, I got to work on some films, which was really cool. I worked on uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the fifth one, back in the day. That was about oh, nearly seven years ago now. Um, I worked on Peter Rabbit, worked on quite a few Australian TV series. Um, yeah, we did some really cool stuff over the years and sort of, I lived with them for quite a large portion of that too. Um, and then that's how we met. Yeah, that's right. You turned up. So it was actually Melissa Innes. Yes. In... Who's Renee and Graham's neighbour. Yes, that actually recommended me. She suggested this guy, Matt Charles, come and do a clinic and, um... You rolled up with your old horse float and your little chestnut horse with his legs wrapped up real tight. And, yeah. Well, we, what, you, what were your first thoughts when I got out of that trailer? And I said, hi, is Andy around? Well, you asked me if Andy was around because I think you were looking for a guy. I had no and idea And you were a bit shocked was. when I said... Yeah, that's me. That's me. I was like, Whoa. um, what she's did I think of, of you? She's a bit of all right. Did you? I thought, oh, he's probably married with kids. He looks old. <laughs> Little did she know I was 17 at the time. <laughs> I, I hold my age really well. Just for any ladies listening. Um, I don't know. Everyone that was there that day, they, they reckon they saw sparks fly, but I think we just got along. You couldn't stop laughing at my joke, so I was like... <laughs> I don't think that's how it went, but okay. Okay. So, yeah, I worked for Renee and Graham for about, yeah, seven and a half years. Worked on a lot of films. What was your favourite film to work on? Um, I don't know. Pirates of the Caribbean was a bit scary. We were doing a lot of stunts on that film. I only worked on there for a couple of weeks. Um... Peter Rabbit was a bit crazy. We had hundreds of animals on that film. Um, and then I also was what they call a dog wrangler, which is a very, very professional job. Oh, that's right. You worked on... On Pooch Perfect, which that's was right. an Australian um, reality series. And that was probably one of my favourites. That was... was that probably the longest? Yeah, we were on that for a few months and it was really fun and just... Yeah, good vibes and heaps of dogs and cool stuff to watch. Um, so I really liked that. Um, Did you have to do much on the films? Um, yeah, it depended on what the job was. Like, you know, we sort of... 
there was always safety horses, so we would ride horses off camera, um, which you actually did. Yes. Once, didn't I worked you? with Graham, I think it was Kenthurst or Annengrove, around there, I think. For... Yeah. You worked on a film called The Drover's Wife. That's right. That was really cool. Back, That was just after you got back from Sean's, actually. Yep. Yep. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, it was different every day. It depended on what we were doing. If we were taking the horses or we were taking small animals. Um, it was a pretty crazy life. Um, but I've seen some really cool shit too, so wouldn't change it. You want to, you want to tell the story of how you had to be the bird wrangler? Oh, yeah. So we were working on uh, the second or the third. I think it was the second Peter Rabbit or the third. It's the one that's just come out recently. And Graham had recently bought a macaw. And we're horse people, not bird people. And the macaw was raised by a girl. So it preferred girls over guys. And Graham said to me, guess what? You're going to be the macaw handler. <laughs> and I was shitting myself because the bird way. could literally bite your finger off. And he just sort of did whatever he wanted to do um but we soon learned that he was actually really cool and really well behaved away from his cage um so when we took him places he was always easier to handle than he was at home um so he was actually perfect the entire time we filmed that job he had to sit on a bird stand in a pet shop and we had hundreds of animals in there birds of puppies and kittens and and what he could Bloody have flown ferrets. off and done He could he have wanted. flown off, but he just he just sat there. He was so cool. And um Yeah, that was that was probably the weirdest thing I ever had to do. <laughs> um, I also had to sing on a commercial once. Did they actually pay you to get off? Yeah. No, they 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 actually just lined us up and they said well this is a story I told Renee anyway, they just lined us up and <laughs> They asked us to sing, and whoever had the best voice got chosen, so that was obviously me. So there was two, con- two other contestants. <laughs> <laughs> no, they just thought to themselves, oh, you look half normal. You'll do. <laughs> oh. oh, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, so it was a bit of a wild life, but um, I did that, and then we got together, and then a few years on, I moved down here to the farm. And now we are living our own chaotic lives. Oh, yes. Apparently so. booked out till, what, November 2022. Which yeah. Which is absolutely insane. But Ridiculous, but... Couldn't be happier. No. So, yeah. That's where my life took me. Awesome. Um, Alright, on to the next question, shall we? Yep. Hey, Matthew. Who would you say your biggest influence has been? I don't think they have to be particularly just horsey. I think just influences in your life. Oh, they can good. be horsey if you want them to be. That's a good question. Well, I know my is. life's probably evolved around the horse industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... Well, actually, probably my brother's been one of my biggest influences, having CF... And just being able to do the things that he's been able to do. Do you want to tell people what CF is? They might not know. So CF is cystic fibrosis. It's a debilitating lung disease that there's no cure for. And he's been able to play for the Wallabies. He's been able to play 
for the Western Australian Super 14 team before it kind of fell apart. Then he's gone over and played for France. Played for, uh, sorry, played for a French team. Played for an English team. Uh, I think the English team was Bath. He's the only person to have played a professional contact sport, is he not? Yes, with cystic fibrosis. With cystic fibrosis, which is pretty unbelievable. Um, and he's played with the Rebels back home. Then, currently, he's actually the CEO of Western Australian Rugby, which is pretty impressive. So, if you're listening, Nathan, uh, he looks up to you. You are an inspiration. I wouldn't say he's an inspiration. <laughs> I say he's an influence. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> Besides that, I think my other influences are probably my family um, and just all the horse people that I've, you know, like being able to ride with Rob and being involved with Rob Lawson for so long. He's taught me a lot, not just in horses, but life in general. No, I definitely think Rob has taught you a lot in life. Yes, he has. He's kind of, well, how do you want to look at it? He might have groomed me. Yeah, I think he... I think he um still does to this day sort of he can put you in check a little bit can't he <laughs> mr lawson that's why i don't visit that's why often. we live around the corner so, <laughs> so um, that he can control you you know having tony as an influence that's pretty awesome but also you know people within the horse industry like sean when i got to ride with sean meeting someone of his stature that everyone looks up to you know one of the leading money earners for a very, very long time and just probably being one of the most humblest people you could ever meet. Like, he was never never up himself. He'd always work hard. He'd probably work 15, 15 to 20 hours a day mm-hmm. and then just make sure everyone else had finished before him, then he'd finish for the day. So if you were working hard, he was working harder? Yep, yep. And kind of same with Joe and Martin and... Those people that I got to ride with, they were all the same. And it kind, of, it kind of makes sense that those people have actually achieved so much because of their work ethic. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's... Being over in the States is... I feel like that's changed... Probably who you are as a person, just as much as who you are as a horse trainer, being over there. I don't know if it's changed me so much as a person, because I've always worked hard. I've always had... Have you? Well, I've always had two or three jobs. You don't work hard around the house. No, but that's your that's your domain. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I've always had two or three jobs. Like I, you know, ride horses, do clinics and lessons, and then still work nights at BWS. Did have a third job for a while, but then that kind of had to stop that. Mm, it's because I'm so expensive, isn't it? Yeah, that's probably the biggest issue. <laughs> If I didn't have a fiance, I'd have a mansion by now. <laughs> I'm wearing the mansion on my ring finger. Yes, you are. Mm. Um, yeah, so like when I got to go over to the States, just riding some of those horses was really good because it showed it showed you how easy things could be and how simple things could be. Mm. And that the breeding that they've got over there, once we get that here... It makes kind of us as trainers look better and makes our job a little bit easier. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, so now I've got to ask you the same question. Okay. 
the question was. You don't like asking me questions, do you? No, because the podcast. To be about you. The podcast is supposed to be about me, <laughs> not you. Yet you just want to keep stepping uh... in. <laughs> okay, question three. Andrea O'Connor. Who are your biggest influences? Um, okay, my... that's enough. <laughs> my biggest influences. Definitely my parents. Um, they raised us to be workers, which I... Art. <laughs> you are a dick. Whoa, this is PG. Not anymore. Now we're going to have to make sure kids don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Welcome to so... the All-Stars Journey, where the kids cannot tune in. <laughs> so... Yeah, we were sort of raised in a house where, you know, it was fun and relaxed and we got all the things we wanted, but we also had to work and um, it's probably the biggest thing I respect in my parents, um, that, you know, they sort of raised us to be workers. Can you stop looking at yourself in the mirror? There's a window right in front of me. What else am I supposed to do? Look into your gorgeous eyes. Yeah. My little butterfly. So, oh God, my parents... um, I think that obviously living with Renee and Graham for such a long time and them sort of really exposing me to all of the things that I've learned in the horse industry is, is a massive influence. Graham, Graham is just a bit of a freak with horses. The things that I've seen him train horses to do and, and the way he is with horses in general is just pretty remarkable. Um, but he's also influenced me a lot just in my life in general. Um, Actually, we got to get Graham on this podcast. Yeah, we have. I think the only reason we're together is because Graham wasn't home the weekend we met. <laughs> Actually, well, his yes, biggest that's influence right. would probably be that he always kept me single um, <laughs> by embarrassing the shit out of me. Um, but you know, he was like similarly to what you're saying about Sean and those sorts of people. He just works his ass off and. Um, he just, yeah, he taught me a lot of stuff. He taught me how to grow up because I was a bit of a little shit, I think, when he first met me. He would attest to that, I think. You still haven't grown up. I think I have a little. Um, you know, and then Renee just as much sort of, I think her honesty maybe influenced me quite a lot over the years. Um, she would always tell me, you know, when to pull my socks up, which it, I'm the kind of person that needs that. So every time I tell you to pull your socks up, I get a slap across the face. Yeah, well, I'm not going to listen to you. Oh, there's that, <laughs> there's that respectful Beyonce attitude. Um. So yeah, I think they're probably my biggest influences. I think I, as much as I would hate, I'm going to watch your head grow as I say this, but I think. Um, you have influenced me quite a bit in terms of, um, the way you are with people. I think that you, you sometimes annoyingly to me are just incredibly positive. I feel like I may be a little negative sometimes. And I think you've sort of changed my attitude in that respect. So I would say you too. I think my positivity has probably come from Warwick Schiller and seeing how much he's changed. The stuff he's going through with his own life has been, I think, influential not only in my life, but a lot of people's lives. 
There you go. There you go. Thanks, Warren. So he, he changed you and you changed me. <laughs> um, okay. Question four. What do you want to see for the future of the Western horse industry? I want to win some stuff. Apart okay. from that. Uh, just see, well, just see clubs expand, clubs get bigger. Industries uh, grow. Yeah, industries grow. See more horses get out there with, you know, the non-pros, the beginners, the open riders in all aspects. Yeah, I feel like across the board it sort of just needs to keep growing. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much more that can sort of evolve, I think. And see kind of some of the industries work together. Like it would be good to see, you know, the cutting, reining, cow horse, ranch horse all kind of work together to have it would be kind of awesome to try and have like a you know, a big super horse event. I don't know how you'd be able to work it out, but to have, you know, have a cutting section, have a rain care horse section, have a raining section, have like the a, world's greatest horseman. Basically something like that. Something like that within Australia that would be Yeah, that, I think making awesome. more versatile horses is probably the sort of the, the direction that industries need to head in. Yeah. I feel like that horses are so stuck in their own industry that you gotta take them out to another industry and they don't seem to cope as well. Mm. Like I know the cutting horse industry and the camp tough industry work really well together, but even seeing those horses get more versatile and being able to go into the reining industry or being able to go into the ranch industry that would be kind of cool and just open up the whole market for seeing the amount the amount of training these that goes into these horses that the prices need to change too yeah i agree with that sort of and and utilizing our trainers maybe a little bit more um no, not just saying that as a trainer's um future wife not wife yet um but you know there is there's a lot of things that go into into you know producing tr finished horses and and in my opinion especially probably in the last few years with the sort of weird and wacky way the world has gone people are wanting more finished horses um but you know the the time and the money that is invested to get a finished horse no matter what the discipline is in my opinion um, you know, he's crazy. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that sort of, um, you know, putting time and money and, and, and that sort of thing into our trainers will in turn get us more finished horses. And Yeah, and I think too, by being able to do that, you'll be able to get hand horses down to the lower level so they can get into industries quicker. Yeah. And then they get into the industries quicker. They've got a competitive horse they can compete on. And they can work on, you know, buying themselves a futurity horse or a derby horse. And, you know, working with a trainer in their specific industry. Whether it be reining, cutting, cow horse, ranch. And just being able to take the horse through with, you know, using all the aspects within that industry. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, so I guess going on from that, like that's what sort of, let's talk about our horses at home at the moment. We've got some cool horses coming through. We do. I've just, just had a 
One stylish Pepto. Jimmy, highly stylish. He was in training for a while. Really, really nice horse. Really, really talented. He's going back to the nutrient sale camp draft this year with a really nice trainer, Tony Pierce. So hopefully Tony does really well on him. Um, but Jimmy was just, he was kind of one of the first one stylish Peptos I had. But just really, really good-minded, super cowy, wanted to be, wanted to do everything as good as he could. And, you know, just having that mind with that ability is really, really special. Yeah, so, I think he's going to be a pretty cool horse. I think, you know, the owner of that horse, Tom Kernia, he's going to have a lot of fun with him and hopefully he can enjoy him down the track for years to come. Absolutely. Then what we've we got? We've just had a baby. We just had a beautiful baby. I don't think you can just say we just had a baby. She's bloody perfect. <laughs> We've just bred a um, Colonel's Little Gun out of a Terminator Wizmare, which we are just over the moon with. Um, she's sort of everything we would want to breed in a horse at the moment. Um, we've also got a full brother to her that's two. Yep, that's two. He's just turned two, so he's going away come the new year. Yep, he's going to get broken. Get broken in. And yep. We're going to send him off to Joe McConnell. He's going to get started with her, which is going to be really exciting. Really exciting. She's doing some pretty cool stuff with horses at the moment, yep. so we're yep. very excited to see where he takes us. We're pretty lucky. They're the only two little guns in the country, and we've got them both. Yep, so that's going to be so pretty exciting. very exciting for us. And then we've got the old boy, who's not really that old. <clears throat> no, he's only five. He's by Gunner Special Knight, out of the Terminator as well. So we've got two full siblings and a three-quarter sibling. But the Gunner Cross Wiz just seems to be a really, really nice cross. He is a dude. Yep. He's sort of missed all his age, well, his futurity years. Um, COVID stuff that a little bit for us but it hasn't been the worst thing for him at all has it no it's been good for him to grow up and mature a bit and, which has been awesome um so we're going to hopefully compete him in victoria and then probably hopefully again up at k ranch in march and then yeah he'll get some more time off and we'll start focusing on the young horses yeah but i know tazzy's going up for sale we're probably going to move her on not that we don't well, just having all these horses here, we've got too many horses here and we're not really looking to breed that. We've got three out of her now, so... Yeah, yep, she's been awesome and just produced really nice-minded horses. They are nice-minded horses. Yep. Very nice-minded horses, actually. They are. So... So what horses have you got? What have I got? Yeah, what have you... Oh, wait. You've got what I've got. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. We live so in I this... don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I've got a really nice five-year-old who we just talked about and a really nice two-year-old who we just talked about <laughs> and also a really nice filly who we just talked about. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, apart from that, we are not horse hoarders. No. no well, no, when I say well. we, Matthew is not a horse hoarder. <clears throat> I don't want to keep paying for vet bills. Yeah, well. So, they are. that's all we've got. We could probably Actually, have another one or two, really. Well, maybe down the track. Like anyone, year. anyone listening to this podcast, since Andy and I are getting married, I want to know 
where would be the cheapest place to get a wedding on a budget of probably five thousand dollars? Such a tight ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I love her. I really do, but you just don't like to spend your money. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone's got any ideas, send them through, please. Uh, so should we talk about the uh, eight hundred dollar roping dummy you bought? Hmm, silence. Funny that. It's for Cheap my, when you want to be, Matthew. It's for my progression of horsemanship. <laughs> Cheap when you want to be. I need to start learning how to rope somewhere. All right, people are probably get, getting sick of us talking, but I think there's one more thing we should talk about before we, you know, finish this bad boy up. And that would be the creation, the mind fart that you had. Oh, yeah, that's right. To that create the Foundation Academy. Yeah, so I think I was talking to Leah one day, and I said, I've got this good idea. She's like, yep, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> so what was your idea? I think <laughs> we we talk about... Um, it's not COVID, don't worry, you're safe. Thanks. We talk a lot about how we think that, you know the industry can grow and what what things we can do to change the industry maybe or help the industry um i think you're pretty passionate about it and so you came up with this idea so the idea was to make it more sorry to make it easier for people to get into the industry whether it be a raining ranch to get them Essentially, any industry. Yeah, yeah, really. We're going to expand this too to make it more accessible for people into other industries as well. But we've just started off with with the raining and ranch, where I'll take on, say, a group of eight to ten people, um, show them the ropes, whereas we get to, you know, take them towards a certain club. So next year in 2022, I'm going to take eight riders towards the New South Wales Running Horse Association Club, get them to meet the committee so they get to understand who the committee is, who's on the committee. They get to learn the rules. They get to understand how to fill out entry membership forms, forms entry forms, um, how to, how to organise stabling and camping for their own horses. Meet other trainers. Yep. Gonna, they're going to meet other trainers within the club too, so then that gives the other trainers within the, in the club access to more clients. Then I'm going to take them to different venues to get them to go out to other places to ride, to see how the horses act in other places, get them used to different environments, get them to build friendships and relationships with other people so when they do want to go and show, they feel comfortable and they understand, you know, what they need to do and it takes out the whole daunting task of just expecting someone to jump into a club yeah without i think really meeting or knowing anyone absolutely there's a lot of um like you just said daunting tasks when it comes to showing um you know and different disciplines bring different rules and all these sorts of things and unfortunately unless people have access to you know their own trainer or things like that then there's sort of no way for them to learn it and I think that's where you saw the gap in the industry didn't you? Yeah, yeah and and also bridging the gap between getting you know, beginners that want to learn some stuff and helping them 
introduce them to other trainers from the club and within the industry to, you know, so it's not something that I'm just trying to create for my own benefit, but also, you know, broaden the horizons and giving the opportunity to other trainers around. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that can benefit absolutely everybody. It can benefit clubs, it can benefit trainers, and it benefits people that that want to get their foot in the door because, you know, you, there's so many people that sort of sit on the fence and they they just don't know how to start. Yeah. And I think that, you know, this idea that you came up with is, you know, a really big step in the right direction for people. Yeah. Um, you know, we want to help... I think we want to help all aspects of the industry. We want to help people get their foot in the door. We also want to grow the sport for competitive non-pros. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I think this Foundation Academy is just a really cool start. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see see the growth of a couple of these industries, which will be good. Especially especially seeing the ranch industry grow, because that's... I feel like the ranch industry is going to be... can be potentially something pretty big with how it's not just a certain specific discipline. It's got, you know, aspects from working on the ranch to cattle work to rain work to trail. So it's going to be exciting. Yeah, and maybe perhaps a little bit more accessible or achievable for people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, that don't necessarily have a trained horse, you know, I know in the the cutting and the reining and things like that, it's a bit harder to get started in those sort of industries without trained horses. Um, but yeah, ranch is sort of, yeah, it's, I think it's going to become a pretty cool thing. It is. So. So yeah, that's exciting. Very exciting. While we're on this podcast, I'd just like to thank my sponsors. Would you? I would. A little shout out. To Natasha Daly from Stitch and One Embroidery, who always looks after me with my clothing and all my embroidery needs. I'd also like to thank. Who else would you like to thank? I've probably got. Let me think. I've got a few Natasha now. Natasha Daly. I've got Rihanna Kritzinger from Equiday, who gives. Well, doesn't give me, but. <laughs> Has a great range of shampoos and products that are all natural and great for your horse's skin. I've also got Leanne Sheather from Hartley Transport. I've got Belinda Musia from Amaru Equine. And Monica from Living Horses. Monica does horsehair bracelets, earrings, necklaces. Yeah. A lot of horsehair jewellery, She actually. does a lot of horsehair jewellery. And it's, she's done one for you. She has. She's done She one. actually made me a bangle with braided horsehair in it from every horse in the riding school when I left. When you left for nose? Yep. Wow, that's pretty cool. Every horse. I think there's about 20 or 25 different horses' hairs in that bangle. <laughs> that's awesome. Mm. And you haven't lost it yet. I haven't lost it yet. <laughs> Where is it? Uh, <laughs> it's in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I saw it in our last night. Um, so, yeah, any, anything else 
that we need to talk about, Matthew? We've covered a lot. I think so. How I did think... you feel about me being a guest on your show? Well, I feel I, like it's kind I, of I mean, my show now. I kind of felt like a guest on your show. Yeah, I'm a better host, you're right. I feel like you've overtaken my podcast. I hope this is not a sign of things to come. Perhaps it is. <laughs> Perhaps it is. Stay tuned for more from Andy here as the All-Stars journey. Is that how it goes? <laughs> yeah, okay, something like that. I'll probably come up with a new name for it. <laughs> what, like, you know, the best stars? No, that wouldn't work. Uh, I'll think stars. about it. I'll think about it. I'm sure I can come up with something. Anyway, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I feel like I already knew everything anyway, but, um, you know, everyone else is getting a little insight into the real Matthew Charles. Well, I hope you guys And learning something. something about me. It's not often that I get the limelight. Matt likes to take it up quite a bit. I hope now that my clients don't want to pack up and leave. Sure they won't. They'll just like me better. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's no been problem. fun to talk to you on our kitchen bench. It has been fun. Yeah, I didn't really know what you were going to say. I behaved, really. You did. I was kind of surprised. What did you think I was going to say? I didn't know. That was a scary part. Mm, wow. I'm not even married to you yet. Mm. God help you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm leaving now. Righto. Well, I hope you have a fabulous night. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Have a fantabulous New Year. And I hope 2022 is great to you all after the crazy 2020 and 2021 that we had. Crazy? Let's call it a shit show. Hey, hey, hey. This was PG. It already wasn't PBS. PG. I swear it a while ago. Yep, she's had a few ones. <laughs> she's fucking drunk. Definitely do, not can, PG I now. I can swear on my own podcast. Uh... Okay. All right, see you in the show, Pen. All right, see you in 2022. Bye.